0: In Session with Dr. Farid Hulakou.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Farid Hulakou, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310 555 I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcast on iTunes. Again, our studio number 3104410555. Before I get to a caller... Uh, The book of the week for this week is Possessed, Why We Want More Than We Need by Bruce Hood. Possessed. And uh, it's a new book. I just started it really today, actually, but I'll be sharing it with you on Monday. But looking at why we are so obsessed with ownership and having things uh, and how this affects us negatively and how it ties into different uh, aspects of our lives and our culture, seems pretty interesting and looking forward to sharing that with you on Monday's show uh, for now, let's go to a caller, Radio Hamra. You're uh, on the air.
0: Yeah, hello, doctor.
1: Hi, thanks for calling.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to uh, first. I want to t- uh, thank you for your uh, amazing show. Thank I, you. Uh, it has been a long time I'm listening to your show, and I really like uh, the emphasis you have on emotion, because. Uh, I'm a person that uh, I had a traumatic life, and I think I have lost my connection with my feelings and mm. with my body. And I have learned a lot from you, and from your show.
1: Well, thank and you. I so appreciate I'm more, your kind uh, words. Yeah, thank you.
0: You're welcome. I'm more aware of my feelings and uh, and feelings of others that before I was it was a lot of problem for me mm. about that.
1: Welcome. Happy um, to hear that. Also, and I'm, I'm, I'm
0: calling from Europe.
1: Okay, great.
0: And I have friends from India that also called, uh, also listen to your show, so I just wanted to say that uh, because, uh, I mean, like, your show is great.
1: Oh, thank you. So, I appreciate your kind words and your support, and hopefully uh, we could talk about what's going on for you and see what we can do for you.
0: Yeah, I go to, directly to my question, mm-hmm. and my question is that I, uh, I have uh, this feeling that there is a conflict in me about my job, Mm-hmm. That every once a while comes up, and I feel like it uh, doesn't let me do my actual job right now. It doesn't let me to be to be faster and wholeheartedly in my own job, because uh, uh, my job is I'm a comic artist. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but in a European style, it's a bit different from American style. And I, before that, I have been in uh, video games. I have been in uh, animations, and uh, I have been doing uh, visual uh, works uh, for movies and this kind of things. Mm-hmm. So it has been like four years. I have moved from Iran, and I live in Europe now. And I have been uh, invited here to do my to do this job because uh, so because they were thinking that I am good at this job. The reason I'm saying that is that I want to make it clear that I am good at what I do. Mm -hmm. I mean, like other people consider me successful or one of the best in our kind of work.
1: That's a good uh, clarification. One thing I, as you're talking, I'm thinking of the book I talked about on Monday's show. It's called Mind in Motion by Barbara Tversky. And she had a whole section on comics and, uh, comic animation and things of that sort that maybe you'll find interesting. So I thought the whole book was very interesting, but you might find that specific aspect or area of it. Uh, it was the book that I talked about Monday night. But anyway, okay, so you are you do kind of comic, artist, visual, animation, those types of things. You are good at what you do, but it seems like you're having some doubts about either, I don't know if it's your job or your career, but maybe we can get into what you're going through now.
0: Yeah. So um, the difficulties I have with this job, uh, before I was just working in animation and those kind of things, and I felt like this is not what I really like to do in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, For example, when I was working in video games, I was getting a lot of money, but I didn't want to be in in violent kind of... Uh, I mean, like, video games are usually violent. You have to draw people with, with guns, with swords, with these kind of things, and I was not interested in that. So mm-hmm. I said, okay, I will go to... Comics, and I will do something that I like. I will make my own stories. But the problem recently is that I have changed, uh, and I'm not the same person as I was before. And for example, before it was okay for me to be lonely and to be alone in a room and do the job uh, all alone. But recently, because I have, I think I have matured. Uh, I think I have uh, changed, uh, and. The things that was before comfortable for me is no longer comfortable. And uh, so maybe I should uh, tell you a bit of a history of myself.
1: Yeah, let's get so, into Before you get into uh, how old are you?
0: I am now 32 years old.
1: 32, okay. And did you go with any family to when you moved to Europe from Iran, or are you by yourself there?
0: No, I am by myself here. Okay. I am from a family that we were more than 10 children, Wow. Okay. And from the same parents, yeah, we were like 14 children. Wow. I, I just didn't want to say, but I did. And I am the number nine. Okay. So uh, so uh, as, a ch- as a child, I was actually a neurotic child that um, I had a very traumatic, very uh, scary childhood before age six and after when I grew up. Uh, it was very, it was it was very bad. We were dealing with all sorts of trauma, from uh, from uh, sexual abuse, from poverty, from every kind of from uh, adverse childhood experience, mm-hmm. all kind of adverse childhood experience. I have experienced all of them. So, and I left uh, as I grew up. Uh, uh, but I was always very good at uh, school. I was very, uh, how to say, always the best in a school. Okay. Because I was a, a bit uh, intelligent. And also, uh, I because I had a very, very low self-esteem, I wanted to be someone. I wanted to be something to to, to compensate for that mm-hmm. feeling real bad about myself. And uh, then uh, when I was around... Uh, 15, 16, I became very oppositional because my father was really uh, cruel, really violent, really uh, punishing, not in a physical way but verbally. I mean he was a narcissist and he was like pushing us too much and my mom was really cold because I mean even if she was not cold, we we were a lot of children so she couldn't do anything for Mm -hmm. us. Uh, and And they were farmers, they have to do a lot of things so they didn't have Time at all for us and we were completely neglected and when i got to 18 i became uh, very uh, bipolar not not uh, bipolar type one but a bit uh, uh, mild bipolar maybe hypomanic a little bit
1: okay did you get diagnosed I,
0: I was diagnosed uh, later at the age uh, um, uh, 24 something like that because for example i, I remember it became a conflict. It became clear because, for example, I was in the street and I felt like a a bomb of energy exploding me. And I ran, ran, ran until I felt like now I I can stop, you know, Mm. you know, that that explosion of energy that is in bipolar. So I had this bipolar with me. uh, And as I grew up, I I was uh, my narcissistic side uh, show up more and more. Until the age of uh, 26, 27, I became avoidant personality. I was more into. I was became. I became more and more isolated uh, in life. Not, I, I, I cut the connection with people. I didn't. I was scared of people. I was uh, not comfortable with people because of my uh, childhood, and and I felt like uh, uh, on my own. I'm much better. And uh, actually, so I, um, uh, I uh, when I was like 27, I realized about Dr. Holokui, your father, mm-hmm. and I started getting interested in psychology from that age. So it has been like 10 years. I, am, I have been studying on psychology. I have been working a lot of, you know, on a lot of uh, things like cognitive behavior therapy, like uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, like uh, I mean, like uh, mm, all the I know all the personality disorders. Uh, okay. About anxiety, about shame, about guilt, about uh, neurotic personality. I know all the psych- psychologists that work on this. Uh, my favorite is Karen Horney, Al- Alfred Adler, and these kind of people.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, but now let's so, let's come forward to what's going on now. So. Uh, Because you're not sure about your job, because what we have to look at is what you're experiencing. It could be that you're in the wrong job, wrong wrong career, or it could be just the frustrations of any job that you're experiencing that can come up. uh, Or it could be things happening in your personal life or personal psychology and how you're doing that's affecting how you feel at work in general. So tell me a bit about what you're experiencing at work that makes you question if you want to continue with your job.
0: The reason that I'm uh, paying attention to these psychology things is that the other side of the conflict is. I like psychology. I want to go to into study psychology. I feel no. like I want to go there, and once I, uh, I, in in one minute I will, come back to your question. But I just explained this. For example, after once I called, Dr. Holakry two years ago, and he told me that. Uh, you are emotionally uh, probably dead, something like that. I think he suspected narcissism in me, mm-hmm. so I went. I studied uh, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder literature, uh, books and uh, stuff like that. I started doing some ab reactions, and after that, I I felt like my feelings are coming back to me. I no longer could stay in my room, my room and work alone. I liked people. I wanted to be with people, mm-hmm. and and in, the, in these recent years, I got. I felt like because in Iran I was always in hyper erosal mood and I was and after I came to France in a small city in France this, my my system, my stress response system I think is if they call it, it calmed down and I had the opportunity to grow up and to learn to and to mature. So mm-hmm. this is how I changed. I wanted just I wanted to just say that how I changed. Uh-huh. So the problem I have now The difficulty is that my job is a lonely job. I have to do it always in a room, and from morning to evening, it's always me. I am not in touch with people. I am not talking to anybody that much. And we have a community in our job that they are all lonely people. And I Mm -hmm. can say that we are all a bit uh, neurotic people, that we are mostly narcissistic, avoidant people, kind of people, I may, I should not put this label on people, but I, this is my feeling yeah. and probably and most, most likely I'm wrong. So we are, what I'm going to say is that we are difficult people in communication, in interpersonal relationships. And uh, the, the job has a, it's, it's very hard work. I have to work like 10 hours uh, or 12 hours, but it's very low payment. I may get like a thousand euro or a uh, per month that is very low. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, and it's not a job that is good for anybody. You know, I'm not giving anything to anybody. It's because my motivation to come to art. It was like I was a child that was neglected, that was being no no one. So I wanted to become an artist. I wanted to become famous and become someone. Then I can get love. Mm-hmm. And it was my 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 life was all about getting. But yeah. currently, my, my goal is happiness. And I think that happiness comes more from giving than from getting.
1: Absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, let me stop you there for a second. Um, so it's not clear yet, but something you think might have been happening is that before, because of what you experienced in childhood, I mean, you described lots of things about your personality and different things, but maybe you were afraid or more comfortable not being around people. So you chose a career and a job where you could be alone. Uh, And that was your comfort zone. But now you feel like you don't feel good there because you actually want to interact with people more. And so you're not happy in your job. Now, the other part we have to look at is there does seem to be something about trying to seek recognition or seek some kind of validation, which we all want. But it seems like because it was missing for you from childhood that you were seeking that. And as you even just said yourself, you wanted to become a famous artist and then get Um, you know, love, attention, fame in that way to fill that hole within you. And so we also have to keep that in mind that you're not just trying to look for a way of filling that up and you're not happy in this one and then you'll go somewhere else and what you might experience is whatever other career you pick, you'll you'll get to the same place again. And that's something we want to be mindful of. So you gave me a, a lot of background, uh, which will, will give us a foundation to go forward. And What I'm going to do is we're getting to a commercial break. So I'm going to put you on hold. And after the break, we'll talk a bit more about what's going on in more detail. Uh, and then I'll try to connect it with you to see if we can figure out what's happening. Is it really about this being the wrong career for you? Or is this just pointing out? An unhappiness that you're feeling within. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, so we'll be Great. right back. All right, you're listening to In Session with Dr. Fatty Delac. We will be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we were with the caller. Let's go back to him now. Radio Hamra, you're on the air again. Um, can you hear me? Yes, I can yes. hear you. Yes. Okay. So you told me a lot about the background, family life, and childhood. Very difficult. 14 kids. You mentioned lots of trauma and abuse throughout life and your own ups and downs that you went through. You mentioned the bipolar itself, which is ups and downs, but it seems like, you feel like you've you gone through a lot of changes in your own personality and things, but here you are in your job and you are not happy with it. And it seems almost every way from what you're telling me financially, it's not very good uh, how you feel about the work itself, how meaningful it is to you, and then also not being able to work with others much and communicate seems like something feels like it's missing. Um, and it could be just that something is missing overall, that you want more connection in your life. Work could be one way to do that, but it might not necessarily be through your work. Um, but you mentioned something about psychology. So you—you you, one of the things you're thinking of is going and, and becoming a therapist yourself? Uh,
0: no, I, I don't want to be okay. uh, exactly a therapist because I was... Uh, I was studying for a long time for like uh, I study every day like uh, psychology books and I, I at least 3 hours per day and I was always feeling resistance in myself to go and study psychology and I finally realized that I am not interested in the negative side of psychology for example in in that going to uh, to peep, to to meet with patients
2: mm-hmm.
0: and to try to fix patients or uh, try to help patients that I'm more interested in the positive side of psychology. You know, I'm not interested in people who I don't want to bring back people who have lost the balance. I'm interested more into keeping the balance of people who are in balance mm-hmm. and actually improve their performance, improve their, uh, how to say, uh, their, uh, their uh, actualize their potential. And actually, I'm more into uh, for example, my main interest is post-traumatic stress disorder, and I, I think about it, ab- about my fantasy is that be educated in psychology and go back to Iran and uh, in those parts of the country that it's, I'm coming from, and there is a lot of child abuse, there is a lot of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, there is a lot of problem. I just try to do, for example, something like what you are doing or something like uh, your father is doing or something like... Bessel van der Kolk is doing, just enlighten and enrich and educate people about these kind of things or help them to understand themselves better Mm -hmm. or help them to connect with their bodies or with their feelings. Or, I mean, like, uh, to be more aware of these kind of things. Yeah. To be more understanding. Okay.
1: Well, I think, you know, and there is a movement of positive psychology in the last few decades, which I think has been very important, that just like in physical health, we don't just focus on illnesses, we focus on how you promote health and maintain health and what you can do. But in hearing you talk, it makes me wonder how much you've gotten in touch with your own pain, because there almost seems to be a way you don't want to go there. Now, you know, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, of course, that is facing the pain and the trauma. But I'm wondering how much you're okay with your own story and what you've been through. And that's that's how, something I felt in how you were talking is that you mentioned to start the show that you have gotten more in touch with your feelings, which is good, but I still do feel a disconnect. You mentioned my father mentioned that too, but there does seem to be a disconnect with your feelings. And so even in hearing you talk about what you'd like to do, it almost seems like you don't want to see the negative in others or the negative things they are going through because it's going to bring up your own pain. And that's something that I'd want you to think about. How does that sound to you when I say that?
0: Well, I think uh, it's true. I'm not completely in touch with my um, with my feelings, and yeah. I am working on it, and I am every day working on it. And just recently I'm studying the books of uh, Alexander Lowne, a psychologist, and, and I'm studying on internal family system just to try to give, to to connect with myself. And I... The reason that my main main interest in psychology is just because I understand myself better.
2: Mm-hmm. That's
0: because this is the language that I understand. That I feel like understood, and I feel like I can understand words better than uh, better than any other any other thing. Not physics, not chemistry, not art. Here I can understand myself, and I, I know that my my work with myself is not complete. I have I had like because of traumatic a uh, kind of. Uh, things I have very yeah. intrusive thoughts, I have very a problem with the sleeping and this kind of things, but after studying after doing many up reactions that I did by myself based on the books and uh, and i had I have a lot of improvement and I never those intrusive images never came back It has been like two years
2: okay, good
0: so I am okay with getting in touch with my my pain, but it's not complete. The reason I don't want to be in touch with that illness is that actually. I don't know. Maybe you are right. I people have too much pain. Mm. It's very difficult for me to to deal with that too much pain. It's very heavy, and also my family. In my family, I have many personality disorders. So when I'm around personality disorders, I'm not very comfortable. It makes me
2: yeah.
0: anxious, and it makes me. It brings the child inside me out, mm-hmm. and I am more into prevention and not letting. People go into personality disorder because I think if it's much easier than improving somebody that already has personality Mm
1: -hmm.
0: disorder.
1: And yeah, which I agree with you, of course. And always we uh, there's a quote. I think it's Frederick Douglass. It's something. It's like it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. And of course, it applies to men or women. Yeah, yeah. and I completely agree with that. And that the more we can invest in. Um, early parenting, early child care, all that stuff is very important and, and helping people to prevent these things from becoming problems. Uh, at the same time, the reality is that we still have all those issues to deal with. And I can hear you and I'm you do have a lot of self-awareness, which is good that you recognize that, okay, when I talk to certain people or my if I'm around certain types of issues, the child in me comes back. And that that's what happens for a lot of people who have experienced pain and trauma Um and that's still not resolved And the amount of pain you're talking about. We wouldn't expect that you're going to be done dealing with it, that it'd be finished. Uh, but it brings them back to that old childhood state. And maybe that's also how you feel that I can't help someone if when I'm around that it makes me feel like a child. Because also what that usually means a feeling of powerlessness, that you can't do much, you can't help. And so you feel more empowered when you're focused on the positive, which I think is great. Um, I just still hope you see that the the healing you have to do within yourself has to also mean going into the darkness a little bit more. Uh, whether and, and by yourself, I'll be honest, it's very helpful. But I think with a therapist, it's going to be a lot more meaningful and almost necessary considering how much you're talking about you've dealt with. Because on your own, you can study and understand and you've gone through some exercises, it sounds like, which is great. But I would still highly recommend that. And actually, I was going to talk about going to therapy in general today, and I might still do that depending on how the show is going. Uh, but I would I would highly recommend you think about the studying is great, and but sometimes the studying keeps us in the realm of intellectual, rational mind and not facing the emotional side. And it's interesting because you said something you've gained from listening to me is, the emphasis on that. And so I think that resonates with you, but it's still hard for you to get in there. And it's not something that if you do it for a week or a couple months, you're going to heal all this pain. But I think it's something that I'd want you to face rather than avoid, because it's going to continue to dictate things that happen in your life.
0: I I completely agree with you. And one of the reason I didn't study, even when I was talking to Dr. holakwi he told me that, you should go study psychology. Without even I mentioned psychology or I mentioned my interest, he uh-huh. told me that. But I said that I cannot go there because I don't want to. It it feels I feel like I, it, it, exactly the same thing. I think I became somebody that that uses these tools to deal with others, but not to deal with himself. Yeah. So I wanted to stay free uh, of that education and keep myself away from that and from being officially somebody in that realm. So I can work on myself and I can discover myself and... Uh, but, uh, but I guess, yes, you are sh- completely right, and I feel all this pain and all this uh, sometimes loneliness and, and this kind of disconnection from people uh, and uh, being a bit marginalized sometimes. Mm. Not um, Now it's much less and I'm improving very, very quickly. Uh, but I, I feel all those things you are yeah. saying. But before we go to commercial, you told me that sometimes when we want recognition, uh, we choose another job, but actually we fail, we fail in the same trap. Yeah. And this is one of the the things that creates a lot of doubt in me. I tell myself maybe I am the that narcissistic guy that I feel like a failure in my own job. So I want to go there and be somebody there or be, I mean, like, There I can be, I mean, like maybe this tendency to be somebody that is in touch with the big public, maybe it's the same reason I want to be seen, I want to be recognized. Mm -hmm. But at at the same time, I feel like I knew this from a long time ago, unconsciously I kept myself away from population and from people uh, because I knew that I am somebody that wants to be seen, and I and I always try to hold the control on that and hold the control on, on the, the, the child inside me that I don't want to fail in the trap of the child inside me again.
1: We so don't want to fall in the that's... trap of that child, but we do wanna understand and I and I again I wanna acknowledge your awareness or your you keep reflecting on yourself, which is very good. We have to try to understand ourselves better, which is always a process and always Going to be more helpful with another person because they can see us more objectively than we can ever see ourselves. But you know that that child that wants recognition. I know you're saying you don't want to fall into that trap, but we can understand where that little boy is coming from. Being in a family of 14 kids, and on top of that, with all the trauma and drama and things that you were going through, we can understand that he does have this strong desire desire for recognition and to be seen. Now that doesn't mean. Being famous has to be the way to give him that, but we can understand where that's coming from and he might need that to be fulfilled in a way that that will feel good by first yourself recognizing your own goodness, not in a prideful way or arrogance, but genuinely loving yourself and recognizing the good in you. And I think that's something that maybe with the way you described yourself What you might be going through is what a lot of people go through in general, but especially if they've had such a painful childhood, the way you've described it, is they go back and forth from thinking they're better than other people to thinking they're worse than other people. So either I'm like amazing and so good and everyone should look up to me or I'm a loser and bad and all those things. And I could imagine you going back and forth between those, unfortunately, which neither one of them is true. You're not better than other people. You're not worse than other people. You are you and you're worth as much as everyone else. But I think you're still conflicted in figuring out that part of yourself. And so when you want to be recognized and seen, I can completely get that. And something in what you described so far, you talked about your family, you talked about work. But I'm wondering when it comes to relationships in your life, and not just romantic, but even friendships, do you have meaningful friendships, meaningful relationships in your life?
0: Uh well, I had two questions to ask you okay. before I call, and I ha- and I was in this conflict that which one I should ask first. Uh, but I should ask about relationships, or and uh, in in particular romantic things, uh-huh. or I should ask you about the work.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> I, the work is uh, a bit more uh, painful. So I was thinking of okay. So with the work, and if I had time, I will go there too. Well, you know, it's but- interesting.
1: The work is more painful, but I also think the work serves as your way of not focusing as much on the relationships. Because I, I get the feeling from you of someone who likes to stay in his own mind. And being one of 14 kids, dealing with everything you've dealt with and trauma and abuse and all those things, it's understandable that your mind was a safer place than the real world. And so even you're recognizing you maybe chose a career that isolated you more. And now you're, you're coming to realize that you might not want that, which could be good and moving you away from that. But I get the sense that even in the way you talk about studying and doing things, it's very much an internal, personal and isolated type of a thing. Not something that actually creates more connection for you.
0: That's actually very, very true, and mm-hmm. I can say that uh, even I suspect myself that if I go to any job, I will find something that it's actually not producing money, and or maybe I go into research or something that mm-hmm. is very, very much like that. But I'm trying to not do that. I'm actually I'm working on my relationships, and I'm. I feel like I am now ready. Before I couldn't cope with people. Now I have studied and I have. Uh, after several years of working, and I, I improved my self-esteem by reading a lot of uh, all the Brandon books for mm-hmm. several times, and not only the rational self-esteem that comes from neocortex, but I try to do uh, go to limbic system and uh, emotional because that rational self-esteem is very weak. It's very, it, it, it's very, it, it relapses all the time. So mm-hmm. if I go to brainstem and I go to a limbic system and make it connect to myself that will be more resistant and I am actually more resistant now and I am very comfortable with people now I talk to them a lot but the problem is here is that I have a job that I have to work like 12 hours to make a few money so most mm-hmm. of my time it's on the work and in the evening and in the weekend and all the time I am always in touch with people and with, uh, with the different people and but here in Iran I had a lot of friends but here and and in relationship yes for example I had a girlfriend for like 6 years when I was in Iran I, it was a good relationship but I found my 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 mother and she and she found his father his narcissistic father and my I found my dependent mother and cold mother so I end up end that relationship after that relationship I had several uh, not very good relationships and one thing I wanted to ask is that uh, always borderline people are very interested in me. Borderline girls are immediately yeah. in touch with me. And I, ha- and I have a rule for myself that I say no girl will come to me unless she's borderline.
1: Well, uh, it might not be that black and white, but the thing you might also want to look at is you're being attracted to those types of girls too. So it's usually a two-way street with these things. And it can make sense based on how traumatic your childhood was that you're going to be drawn to people who are it reminds you of home, that instability, the chaos that comes with being in a relationship with someone who's borderline. And unfortunately, also someone who's borderline, in the beginning, they're going to make you feel like you're the king of the world, like the greatest thing that ever happened to them, because that's what we they do with going between idealization and devaluing. So in the beginning, when it's the idealization phase... You're going to feel really good because they're going to give you that feeling of recognition and validation that you're amazing. You're the best thing that ever happened to them. They've never met someone like you and all those things. So as much as you're saying they're attracted to you, which is probably true, there does seem to be something about you that's going to be attracted to them as well. And you have to look at that side, too. And so rather than saying a rule of if a woman is attracted to me, they must be borderline. I'd want you to also think of, well, if a woman is showing interest in me and I'm attracted to them, I want to really try to ask myself, can I see any of those signs in them? And so you might be drawn to someone who is going to give you an unrealistic type of attention early on, which isn't very real and is going to fade and turn into something bad because you're seeking so much to get that feeling a validation of being amazing of being so good that you're going to look for someone giving you that but unfortunately usually comes in a way that's not very genuine and has a flip side where you're going to get very hurt and the relationship is going to go very poorly
0: yeah some years ago i was like that but uh, like five years ago i but uh, after i realized that these are borderline and they bother me a lot no, I see that they are attracted to me. They immediately come to me, but I, I I try to keep myself away from them, and I usually don't date them. They are actually very good girl, very intelligent girl, very beautiful girl. But I, I don't I know that this is not, this is difficult, and it's very painful for me when people are not actually emotionally in touch. You know, I know that they are not emotionally in touch with themselves. I know that they don't have a sense of self, and I, I and and I know that this I don't want this. I want this. Yeah. I want somebody that has emotion, and and I, I really likes me, or in or I like that person, or has a sense of self, or has a stability, or is deep. You know, I don't want shallow relationships. Yeah, and and actually being an immigrant here in France, and actually, I I mean like there is a bit bias of maybe I don't, I'm not sure, but maybe a bit racism. I'm not sure about that, but I mean like, I mean like. Socially, we are not. For example, I am not as valuable as a for them, not for myself. Yeah. Maybe a, a Japanese or a German could be much acceptable for them than somebody that comes from Middle East and is a Muslim or, or this kind of things. This is. It could be one of the reasons. And uh, and another reason that I am much, very much interested in people that are more healthy, more simple. More uh, normal and more stable. And also, but the problem is that and I asked them out, but it, it, ha- it haven't happened yet. And I was always asking myself why it's not happening. Yeah. I suspect that maybe emotionally I am not very available.
1: Well, that's right. That's what I'm, I'm wondering. Because in, in talking to you, intellectually, you can talk about emotions very well. Uh, and very advanced, but it sounds, again, to me like it's more about the rational side than the emotional side. I do have other people I want to get to, but I don't want to wrap up with you, and we're at a, at a commercial break. So let's talk a few more minutes after the break at least. Maybe I'll keep you on longer, but I do want to at least wrap things up. So stay on hold, and we'll talk some more, okay? Yeah, okay. Okay. All right, you're listening to Radio Hamra. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go back to the caller again. Caller, are you still there?
0: Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Uh, Sorry, I talk a lot. No,
1: no, I'm keeping you on. You don't have to. That's. I. I want to keep talking to you. Um. But we're we're talking about what you've been going through and something I mentioned now that we've not that we fully resolved the work issue, but transitioning into the relationships. Um. What I also want you to keep in mind is what you told me about even what you'd like to do as work for example, focusing on positive psychology on the positive side of things, it makes me wonder if you're in a relationship, how much tolerance you're going to have for the pains, problems, and issues of your partner. Now, of course, you're talking about women who had borderline personality disorder that you dated. I'm not talking about tolerating that if they're treating you in a bad way or something that's wrong, but even just having the capacity to emotionally be there for someone else when it might be hard for you to go into those negative quote unquote negative spaces is something I also want you to be aware of when it comes to relationships.
0: That's a that's an amazing point. For example, I have I have four type of people in me. First one there is a child that is always going for people and tell them that please love me. Mm. And it's search for mom and sisters that didn't have The second one is actually my father that goes around and tries to find people that are wounded, depressed, and fail, uh, and tries to fix them and says that I fix you and then you will love me. Mm -hmm. The the, the other one is my teenager that says that I don't want to know you, I don't want to like you, I don't want you to like me, I just want to have sex and go away. Mm -hmm. So that's another one. And the recent one that actually is the mature one, that actually those people are all involved with themselves. But this one, actually, for the first time, I start seeing others. I start seeing other people. I start being present. And I start uh, asking them how they are, not being always occupied with myself. I guess I have problem with what you are saying. Mm -hmm. I'm not very uh, available for others. But I'm trying to be available more, and I am getting better at it.
1: Yeah. Uh, well you know the thing is and that i'm again you show a lot of awareness and reflection it's good but it's also about first being there for yourself you're talking about being there for other people and asking them about the negative and i know you think a lot about the negative but i still feel this block within yourself and getting in touch with that pain and that you feel like if you read about your pain that's gonna heal it when really it's like if you were reading about a surgery, at the end, you have to actually go do the surgery itself. And I think that's somewhere where you're still going to be a little bit blocked. And the amount of pain you probably have within you, we can understand why you've decided uh, unconsciously, if it may be, to not go there. But hopefully, you'll take some risks in that direction. That's why I really suggest going to therapy where it'll be, one, safer because you'll have someone there, two, they will be more aware of what's going on to give you even more insights than you're going to be able to think of yourself. And then three, heal some of those wounds even more, which you can do better with someone else than you can do on your own. So have you gone to therapy before? Uh,
0: not actually. I, I, I went a few times in Iran, but not but just for a few minutes. It was not therapy. Just. Yeah explain and they give me some uh, medication yeah but I even if, if, if i had money i would have no problem to go there and spend okay. and be there and i mean like it, to get healed I, hmm. I my problem is financial okay so uh that's 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 what that's the only thing that i have yeah. no resistance in to go there and heal myself it's only i don't have money but uh at, this is true that what you are saying. My pain—I know that I, my pain is too much strong, and I feel like the—it's. The, the, I feel like I have dealt with some of it enough to be on my on, on on my legs, but the rest of it is so so huge. For example, once I was uh, I was doing an a reaction, and I was so much enraged and I so much in in pain that I was surprised that. Oh my God, how how where did this, this come from? How all this rage and anger come from? I cried a lot. Mm. I, I mean like for several weeks, I was just crying. I was before that, I couldn't cry. and I was uh, bringing out physically, I was liberating myself by punching and all those kind of stuff and recognizing my the feelings that I had about myself when the trauma was happening. And uh, trying to be in touch with that child and i i i I'm now I appreciate before I was ashamed of that child and that adolescent, but now I appreciate them and i mm-hmm. and they they resisted so much pain yeah if I might if I go through one third one one ten of that pain, I would not last but, those but you know will
1: last and I, you know it's interesting the way you even talk about it I, get, I understand what you're saying and acknowledging it you did go through that pain. That was you. And so even in how you express that, that might be reflecting how you haven't integrated all the parts of yourself, which is true for all of us, but even more for people who've experienced trauma in their life, is that these pieces of you have almost become different parts. Because it's interesting, you can talk about it, and I know you're trying to acknowledge that child within you, but really as if it was another person. And I think that's still something that you're working on. I know financially therapy is not something that's very easy to do. I don't know how it is in France, but if you can find something that's lower fee or something, you just need someone to walk with you through this journey of going into that darkness of your past. Um, But I think what you just shared reflects some of that feeling that it's not even you. And you had to dissociate. I know you've read a lot you said about trauma I don't know if you read the book, The Body Keeps the Score. I talked about it, I think, about a year ago. Yeah. And, And I'm sure, I hope you could relate to a lot of that, where it just, there's lots of ways we respond to trauma. And it's amazing the way the mind and body try to survive. And it seems like one of the ways you've survived is by some ways distancing yourself from that pain. But unfortunately, the pain is still there in your body, in your mind, affecting you. And it's just hard for you to get to it. And It's going to be a process. It's not going to be easy. We can understand your defenses against that. But my um, recommendation and really what I'm trying to encourage you to do is to get closer to the actual emotion of it and not just the intellectual. And the ab reactions, those exercises you've done seem to be one way of doing that. But it's going to have to be more of a process where you're going to constantly have to revisit those feelings and hopefully over time start to shape or shift how you feel. Gradually, it's not going to be, you know, these ab reactions can be good and sometimes people have incredible healing moments, but usually most of the progress we have in these ways, they're small incremental steps towards progress rather than one moment that takes away everything. Sometimes there is that, but usually it's it's smaller. And so I hope you can seek that out. And, you know, we have. I, I want to get to some other callers we have on hold, so I'm going to wrap up with you in just about a minute. Um, but coming back to all of these things as far as your work and your relationship goes, I, I don't think I've given you exactly any direct advice on what to do with that. But I think it's something you really have to look at the motivation of what you're trying to do. Is it that you're now no longer comfortable there because it was your comfort zone to be alone and now you want to work with others? Or is there some feeling of needing some validation that you're not getting, which can be okay, but making sure you're not going for it in a way that's artificial or too extreme, um, that I want to be famous or have to do this in order to feel okay and have meaningful work. The meaningful work should be what you're producing, and hopefully it reaches lots of people. But it doesn't mean that if it doesn't reach people, the work itself has no meaning. So take a step back with that. And when it comes to relationships, not just romantic relationships, Pursue more friendships and investing in getting to know people in that way too because something that's lacking for you is connection both to yourself and to others and you're going to have to make sure you put effort in that and it's not something that you have to, you know, even I'm mentioning therapy, you have to fix all the issues and heal everything and then have friendships and relationships. No, you can work on yourself but at the same time, get out there because some of what's going to help you heal is actually connecting with others and seeing how it goes. You have to take some risks in connection before you can really make all the progress you need to make. Um, sometimes people feel like, okay, I'm just going to go away in the mountains for five years, solve every issue I've ever had. And then I'm going to live my life. But really we have to do them both at the same time, do the healing work while we're also in the actual living work. And they also inform each other because things you experience will help you heal and things you heal will help you have better experiences. So, um, from what I'm hearing from you, you're very much in that study f- phase, and that's your comfort zone. But I would f- emphasize on getting out there and interacting with others even more.
0: It's very true. I'm, I'm, I'm getting. I'm, I'm taking those little, little steps, and okay, improvement every day. But what I'm, I want to ask you one more thing, and if you could dedicate one more minute, I will sure. appreciate that. I don't know if a person has feelings. How 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 that person looks like or how 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 that person is and I didn't have an example like that.
1: Yeah.
0: So I and 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 I want to know that for example how did how can you help me to how did you realize I am disconnected with myself or uh, I mean like how can you help me with that?
1: Yeah. Well, some of it. What,
0: what, how did it look like to have emotions?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you're right. And how, you know, we all have emotions, but yeah, how to be in touch with them and how we express them in a healthy way. Many people didn't have a good model of that, unfortunately. And it seems like in your family, that was even more the case. And you know, to answer your other question of how did I know, and I don't want to say I definitely know, but what it is, it was more a feeling when I. And that's what's interesting, I think, in asking your question. It's also part of what you're dealing with, which is that I try when I'm talking to you or anyone or even in my own life with myself to try to be in touch with what I'm feeling. And it's always a process. I'm always working on it as well. But when I'm more in touch with my feeling, I can pay attention to what I feel when I talk to you. Now, at the same time, It doesn't mean that I say if I feel something, that means I know for sure that's true about you, because there can be lots of reasons I feel things that also relate to myself. And this is what makes these things so complicated. Also, for me, very interesting and fascinating is that my feeling is just some information. It's not a truth. But I pay attention to that. You know, when I'm talking to him, I'm feeling this. And so I'll ask you. So I don't tell you this has to be what's going on. But I bring it up to see if that resonates with you, if you can connect to that, and then we can go back and forth. But so it's about the feelings. It's not like I calculated something intellectually and rationally to come to that place. Um, It's something I felt probably based on my feeling, which is also based on my conversations with so many other people before that comes together in that moment. And this is why feeling can be so meaningful in even giving us information. It's not that everything we uh, figure out comes from thoughts and from words, which also the book Monday I talked about gets into that. So it it was the feeling of it. And that's why I'm encouraging you even more to get in touch with that, which I know you're working on, because then even with yourself, you'll be more in touch. And then when you're relating to others, you'll be able to feel more, Things that will tell you a bit about what's happening more than just trying to think about it.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I thank you so much. It was amazing. Oh, my uh, pleasure. And I will listen to the, um, to the audio again and again to see, uh, to discover more things uh, that you said. About yes, and I'm happy that you'll
1: listen to it again. I think that could be good. But again, even in hearing you say that, my first reaction was but make sure it's not just listen, it's about also the doing part of really connecting with yourself and with others, because that's something you never had. And that's what something you have to keep working on. I'm glad you're taking those small steps. Wish you the best in all of that. And it was nice to talk to you.
0: Thank you very much. Have a great have day. A Take care.
1: Bye bye. All right. Going into another commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hi, Dr. Fadi. Hi. Thanks for calling
3: you're welcome thank you for taking my call my
1: pleasure thank you for calling let me know uh what I, how I can help you
3: uh, okay so um I'm calling about my son I have a question about him and his career okay um, but I want to give you some information sure. for if that's okay
1: mm-hmm. yeah go yes I need the background to be helpful thank you
3: yes Okay, so he's uh, 23 mm-hmm. uh, years old. Uh, he has a sister. She just turned 17. And um, he, he's he been here since he was nine months old. So okay. he, he was raised here um, in the United States. Um, and um, unfortunately, when he was 16, um, uh, my husband was diagnosed with, brain tumor and mm. uh, we lost them two years after oh, when so sorry my son was 18 mm. um, and um, um, oh my gosh I thought I'm not going to be nervous but now I forgot how should I continue that's
1: okay I mean also what you shared uh, I'm, I can I'm sure it brings up also feelings I don't know if it does for me I was feeling something Talk you talking about yeah. that I'm so sorry for the loss that for your whole family that you guys had to go through that that's very sad yeah.
3: i think you know for my um, kids both of them um they've lost something that it's i can't replace it doesn't matter how much i try yeah. to give them attention and love but still you know it's something that is going to be missing in their lives
1: of course and for yourself as well but yeah absolutely and that's Unfortunately, that's, pro- that's the truth, and I think it's good to keep that in mind because we can't expect things to be like normal or before this happened. This is something, unfortunately, tragic that happened in the family that you're all dealing with, and it's going to have effects on all of you, I'm sure.
3: Yes, of course. Um, okay, so my son, he has a bachelor's degree mm-hmm. uh, in uh, business, Mm -hmm. Uh, in sales and marketing. He was accepted into the program, which is very difficult to get in. Um, You know, he's been really smart um, throughout his whole, uh, you know, school years. He Mm -hmm. wasn't a, you know, super... um, He wasn't a really good student. He was a good student, but he always had, you know, uh, a way of um, knowing stuff and doing stuff. Like he learned about iPhone when he was in middle school. Then he learned how to fix iPhones. So he did that for a while for his friends. When he made extra money, made him so happy. Mm-hmm. And then when he was in high school, he uh, got into um, uh, learn about stock market and um, uh, and. Cryptocurrencies, Mm -hmm. and he experienced uh, in that too, you know, Um, and then he, when he started going to business school, he had an idea of uh, him and his friend had an idea of um, creating a pre-workout tablet.
1: to figure out to say if it's the right decision or not because of um, I I don't know how realistic it is what they're doing what's happening there but I think overall you want to let him make this decision more than you make the decision uh, definitely and uh, it could be okay for him to put some time in this I, I wanted to make another comment because a lot of times people think if someone wants to make a new business They have to go 100% into that business and quit everything else. Sometimes that's true, but a lot of times people who have made very big innovations, they actually still were working another job while they did something else. So you don't have to completely give up everything else. But that's not saying that in your son's case, he definitely should go work somewhere. And you have to be aware that when you tell him uh, to have another job or pursue something else, he probably is also hearing you saying, I doubt what you're doing. I doubt you. I don't believe in what you're doing which is not going to feel good for him. So anytime you bring up he should get another job, he's also hearing you say, I don't believe in this business. And even maybe in a deeper way, he might feel like you're saying, I don't believe in you. So I want you to be aware of that, uh, that when you bring up this conversation... That's very true. Yeah.
3: Yes. Because um, at this point now, I don't talk to him about this for about six months. Mm-hmm. But before that, I every time... Even though I wasn't negative, I was just trying to you know talk to him about this subject. Mm-hmm. He told me, "You're being very negative." Yeah. And I don't like that. And um, that's why I stopped talking about this uh, problem with him because I feel, you know I don't I, in my eyes, he's capable of everything that he wants to do. Mm-hmm. He's smart. Uh, but if i say something he thinks i'm um, uh, i mean in a negative way so at this point i'm not saying anything to him mm-hmm. um, but i want to be at the same time i don't want to be you know i i, I don't want to be quiet because i'm afraid that he's going to think i'm being negative but at the same time i want to i want him to make a right decision i want him
1: to to choose if he wants to go get a job or not well it seems like he's i I know you're saying you want him to choose but it seems like he's making his choice but you don't like it so it's not just that you want him to choose you clearly seem to have a preference which is that he should get a job um so as much as you're saying you want to let him choose if we really want to let him choose as hard as it as it might be for you because of how you're feeling you have to let him make his choice now As always, you can have conversations with him based on how your relationship is with him, based on how he sees you when it comes to this issue. That's going to affect if you can or can't really have meaningful conversations with him. But it has to be something he wants to have. If he wants to come tell you, you know, mom, I'm also worried about the business, blah, 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 this. Or if he says, mom, actually, I feel confident about it. You know, just let me do it. That that's gonna to have to be something you have to accept as well. Before I get into that, I'm wondering though, from your perspective, which obviously is just how you see it, do you feel like he's being idealistic or unrealistic when it comes to this business idea, or do you feel like he's he's looking at it in some way? No one's gonna be perfectly objective about their own business, but do you feel like he's objective or he's totally out of touch with reality? No,
3: he's being realistic. Okay this is only one product. Sure. You know, um, I know he has an entrepreneurship mind. Yeah. And I, that's what I, sometimes I talk to him about that, you know, you have to think of more product after this one. When Well, this one comes to I the mean, market.
1: I'm not a business expert or an entrepreneurial expert. My brother actually knows much more about that, but I wouldn't say that he has to be focusing on multiple products at the same time. Um, you know, that's, I I don't, he's only 23. Also, I'd want you to remember that at at his age, most people have not done a lot of these things or starting their own businesses. And so that's good. He's getting that experience. And I think rather than finding out if he's doing it exactly the most ideal way, and could he do something else as well at the same time, I, I would focus, as I always tell parents on your relationship with him, rather than trying to be a you know, business coach or career coach for him because he needs that less. And Plus, not to doubt you, but we don't really know. I don't know exactly what's the right thing anyway. So I'd focus more on being with him. Yeah, we don't know. And that's okay. You're not supposed to know. You don't need to know. And I don't think anyone knows for sure that exactly he should definitely get a job or should not get a job. And so don't put that pressure on yourself, one, to know, and then two, to communicate it to him, and then three, for him to make some kind of decision or change. Uh, I think you're feeling the anxiety of you know he's as an entrepreneur he's dealing with a more uncertain job. Obviously, if you have a salary at a job you're working at, it's very clear how much money you're going to make. It's stable and all of that. But when you're an entrepreneur, you can make lots and lots of money, or you can make zero money and lose money, and that's part of the the job. You know, that's just how that career goes, Um, and it's up to him what he wants to choose to do. I'm sure it's bringing up anxiety for you of. Okay, you maybe prefer he had a more stable income or a more stable job because you wouldn't worry about him as much. And you also can look at I know you mentioned financially you've supported him. You have to make sure the support you give him is something you're okay with that you can handle because you might be feeling frustrated with that or you might be feeling like, well, if I'm paying for him to live with me or whatever it is, then he maybe should listen to me. Um, But I'd want you to think about some of those thoughts you might have as well.
3: Mm, uh, yes. Okay. So uh, for, um, you know, for a very long time, it's been about eight years that I have worked with therapists, uh-huh. um, you know, to go through the whole um, situation that my, you know, my family and I went through. Uh, so he has a therapist that i of me having uh, giving you my credit card to use for your daily uh, stuff maybe you want to have a job to pay for some of your things since I paid for your college and you know the first business stuff that you had to pay Uh and uh, he didn't like it in the beginning but then he he found like a company's um, online store Mm -hmm. so he's doing that and um, that's all he does because that's the only money that he needs.
1: Okay well then what's the problem?
3: Okay but you know I see him waking up late go to the gym that's his routine come back for three four hours a day he works you know for what he has to do Mm -hmm. and then have
1: anything to do till the next day okay and, feel... and you know i mean i can understand your concern about that we do tend to have this mindset about work that you have to work eight ten hours a day or it's bad and maybe that's not really true it's just something we've accepted as part of life and it doesn't have to be that way if you're worried is he okay does he feel depressed is he going through something You can find out with him how does he feel about the routine. But you have to be careful that anytime you ask him something, let's say, about his life and how much time he's spending towards work, he's going to hear it and, you know, make some sense for him to hear it this way as you judging him, as telling him something is wrong.
3: I can't ask him
1: anything. Well, I I mean, I'm not saying that you're wrong, but it could be that the ways you're asking him makes him feel judged or he's so used to you judging him that as soon as you ask him about something he already hears it through the lens of you're judging him. So yeah. Yeah. for you to change that, it means that when you ask him, you're asking because you want to know, not because you want to judge or to change or to shame him. But a lot of parents and people in general, they don't ask when they say, did you study last night? It's not that they really want to get information. It's that they're saying, you better have studied last night. If you didn't, you're bad. And here we go again, you're doing you know, these bad things again. So asking is very different than wanting to know in order to tell them something and judge them and he might be used to that and so you have to be aware of that dynamic and to change that will take some time you can even acknowledge that with him that a lot of times when i ask you something or i talk about your life i can see how i make you feel like i'm judging you or putting you down and even that makes it hard for you to talk to me and i apologize for that or i acknowledge that And maybe I can be different with you because I want to know more about what's going on in your life and be closer to you, but I don't want to push you away or make you feel judged by me. And even you and you calling me today, I think part of what you're trying to figure out is how can I get my message to him? And what I hope you can recognize is rather than trying to get a message to him, we want to help him get his message to you or get to you what he's thinking and feeling. And the best way to do that is actually to try to not change him that you don't have to, and I, even you said something, like I want to make sure he's not wasting his time or doing something. I don't know, and there's no guarantee, no, and no one could know for sure. But we don't want to put that pressure on him. And at, and at 23, I'm not so worried that he has to do something this perfectly right way, whatever that even is. And I would want you, as I always tell parents, to focus more on your relationship with him rather than coaching him in some way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the
3: reason I call today because I I want to know that what is the right thing for me to do because I feel like his therapist is um, um, guiding me to go to tell him, you know, maybe you want to move out. I support you for a couple of months and, um, you know, you can be on your own for him to have his independence. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't feel comfortable doing that. So this is I... his
1: therapist or your therapist?
3: Okay, no, he his therapist.
1: Okay, his therapist is I telling him. I have my own okay. therapist. Okay,
3: okay. But I go to his therapist. Sometimes I tell him that, okay, we have an appointment. Do you want to come? Sometimes, rarely he comes with me. Other than that, I go alone to his therapist.
1: Um. I don't know and
3: if, if the, I have questions.
1: Yeah, I, have, I don't know if that's uh, ideal uh, for you to go to his therapy or his therapist if he doesn't want you to or he's not going with you. You Usually there's something in how you're talking about you're, you might be too involved in him in general and in his space.
3: Okay, but um, all right. So for me, if his dad was
2: here,
3: mm. everything would have been different. So I'm sure. Now I feel responsible. It's my responsibility for him to find his path, for him to be successful, or you know, for me to give him everything, all the guidance, all the help mm-hmm. that I can give him. And yeah, you know, I mean, that's why I picked mm-hmm. the male therapist for him.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, I I think uh, clearly you you care a lot about your kids, and you're trying to make the best of a very unfortunate situation with the passing of your husband and their father. Um, But even in hearing you say that, I feel like you're putting too much pressure on yourself to think, first of all, that you can be mother and father and be two people. But even still, even if there is a mother and a father, they don't have to pick the path for their kids or really force them or make that decision for them. You create the environment where they can pick that path and choose it and and not only just pick it because he might do something and not like it and change paths and all of that as most of us do throughout life but I think you're putting too much pressure on yourself feeling that because their father's not here I'm supposed to do even more but you're trying to do even more than even a mother and father need to do together you don't need to find the right path for him give him the perfect advice in every realm of his life um, make decisions for him that's not your responsibility or you and their father or any parents together need to do all that. And so I think because of that loss, you're feeling even more of this responsibility that you're going to be letting them down or they're not getting enough. The pain of losing their father was horrible and I know it's horrible for you too. But it doesn't mean that you have to compensate for it by doing too much. And so that's something to also think about, that you or trying to make up for all this pain that they went through and the lack of the father they now have, but it might push you towards doing too much sometimes and trying to make everything right and okay and perfect now when it's never going to be and it doesn't need to be. So if anything, I would want you to do less when it comes to that way of picking the path and guiding him exactly where to go and really let him figure out that much more than you need to. So that's...
3: Um, what,
1: how can I help him? Well, you, you don't need to help him so much. You know, I don't know exactly how he's doing, but as always, you want to help him through your relationship with him, not through your uh, words of wisdom or guidance or speeches. A lot of times parents I work with, it's like they feel like they have to come with the pe- perfect lecture or pep talk to get their kid to do this or stop doing this. But your role, especially, if, even if he was younger, but he's 23, is to just be there for him as a mom to have a relationship if he wants to talk to you if he wants to communicate if he wants your advice he can ask it and sometimes you can give him some but don't put so much pressure on yourself that i have to come up with the perfect advice for him first of all you have to figure out what that is and then you have to give it to him in this perfect way neither of which you can do or really are your responsibility you're just his mom and as his mom you're there for him you love him you support him you make him feel good about himself but then you let him make his decisions, let him fall sometimes, let him figure out his path, and then he's going to have to walk those steps himself anyway.
3: Mm -hmm. Okay, but for me, I feel comfortable for him to live here in the house um, and do what he has to do. But I feel like, um, you know, when is the best time for him to find his independence and move out?
1: I don't know if there's exactly a right time. I think different people do it at different ages. If it's financially okay with you and he wants it, I mean, it can be okay if he, but don't do something you don't feel good about and don't feel like if you can't financially afford it, that you have to um, do that. But if you're really wanting him to stay in the home out of this anxiety of one, I want to do more for him. And two, I'm afraid if he's on his own, he's going to go down a bad path. Um, I I wouldn't let those things get in the way. You have to let him grow, and growing sometimes means he's going to fall. And I'm not saying he necessarily has to move out, but I mean in general. Be aware of it seems like you're trying to protect him, Um, uh, maybe protect him too much, and that's going to actually get in the way of his growth more than actually push him forward.
3: Okay, and as far as his business?
1: I, I think you have to let him figure that out because there's he's in it and let him see what happens with it many people they have businesses they don't do well or they do really well they they go through different things but to to figure out that is this worth it or not at this point it seems like he's invested so much into it and he's in it that i think let him go through that anyway and even if he wasn't you really have to give him that space this is his decision to make not mine or yours i know but i feel
3: like you know I, i'm sitting and watching him
1: Well, that's another problem. You shouldn't be sitting and watching him. You should be making sure you're focused on your own life, too.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I know. know. Okay. All right. Yes, but, you know, I'm afraid that he loses this opportunity okay
1: that's okay he he's just so young that's and that's the, that's that's all the part he is so young so there's no uh, you're right can he have another job at 22 no last year he can't go back and get a job but he's figuring out his path and so don't be so afraid of everything has to be right today and has to go perfectly or he has to make use of every minute it's going to be up to him all of us went through different paths. And yeah, if we look back, we were inefficient and wasted time and could have went this way instead of that way. But we have to let him go. And that's what I'm saying. Don't try to control his life so much. That, And that's even what I felt when you talked about going to his therapist. It's You're trying to get too much involved. I think, like I said, it's not just about his father not being there. You're trying to do too much than even two parents have to do as far as controlling someone's life. Giving him more space is something that's going to be better. He needs that. And even, you know, that one, we had one maybe 10 seconds where we talked about you in all of this and your life. And that's what I mean is really focusing more on yourself rather than just on him. Okay. But
3: you know, it's uh, with everything. With my- let
1: me, you know, let me put you on hold because we, we went way over the commercial break and I want to be able to wrap up with you and-, and not so abruptly. No, no, don't feel bad about that. I'm going to put you on hold and then we'll come back and finish our conversation. Okay. 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 All right. We'll be right back. I'm back. Let's go back to the caller we're with before the break. Caller, are you still there? Yes. I- okay. We were talking about your son, but the more I'm thinking about it, we need to talk about you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and my daughter. My-
1: yes, well, yeah, your daughter as well. We don't want to forget yes. her. Um yes. Yeah. She's <laughs> 17, so she was maybe like 12, 13 when her father passed?
3: No, 11.
1: 11, mm, okay.
3: Yes. Yeah. She was 11 and He just turned 17. Okay. Um, Mm. You know, my two kids, they're really sweet. They're really good kids, Mm. always, you know, from the beginning. So my daughter, she is exactly the opposite of my son. Mm -hmm. She is very independent. She wants to go out of the state for her College for her bachelor degree.
1: Okay. Um, How do you feel about that?
3: I, I I'm trying to convince her to stay in, in state.
1: Why is that?
3: Because actually, I want him to stay in the same city. Yeah, I'm <laughs> but, sure. But she doesn't want that.
1: That's I good. Yeah, we need to let you need to let her go.
3: Yes, I told her that. Okay. If she's uh, Even in the same city as we are, I can get her an apartment or she can live in the dorm to be out of the house for the experience. She doesn't have to go to another state to do that. Um, So she is exactly the opposite. She wants to go out, you know, but she's going to be only 18. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: I feel um, I don't want her to go out of state but even in another city i i feel hesitant
1: for what is, so what do you dad, think your what is it that you don't want
3: i just want her to be closer because, i know you know if she was 20 or 22 she she could she could be more aware of the situation around her she could
1: right but you know millions of kids is, in the united states go away to college when they're 18 I'm not saying it makes it necessarily right or good, but I mean that they seem to survive and do okay. And I think it's, again, going back to this with your son, it's more her decision to make than yours. And that's what I mean. Not that you really use it as an excuse, but in a way in your mind it could seem like because they don't have their father, I have to control them more. But that's not true.
3: No, no, no. I'm not trying to control her, but I'm trying to convince her. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's
1: what I'm con- convincing I'm is sure. just convincing is just a way of saying I want to control without using the word control because con- <laughs> you're trying to get her to do what you want her. I mean, when we say when people say someone is controlling, we don't literally mean they put a gun to their head and say you have to do this. But it's about how they're trying to quote unquote, as you said, convince them to do what they want rather than doing what the person themselves wants them to do. Um, and you know, something I'm, I'm wondering is if you might have had some of this within you before of the anxiety or how you're feeling about your kids, but maybe losing your husband has also made you more afraid to lose them.
3: Yes, I realized
1: yeah. how life is fragile. Yeah, and 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 it is, and unfortunately for you guys, you had to experience that too, too much firsthand, which I think is unfortunate and very unfair. But we have to make sure that because life is also fragile, we let each person live their own life the way they want to live it as well. That if we get in the way of that life, that's also not appreciating how fragile life is.
3: That's
1: true. And I I know it's tough to have that fear and it's, The fear sometimes, okay, if she's in the same city or the next city, I can do something, but nothing is probably going to ever happen to her in the ways you're worried about, but really you can't do much even in the ways you think you can. And so she's going to be okay, whether she goes to school in-state, out-of-state, but I think there's a lot you're still dealing with. I'm glad you're going to your own therapy and focusing on that because I'm sure what you had to go through with your husband and then dealing with the kids after that, has been incredibly painful and it of course is going to affect how you feel as a person and also as a parent. And it's going to be hard to put that pain aside at times to do what's best for the kids and letting them grow. But I want you to be aware that your bias is almost always going to be about just doing the more comfortable, easier thing to keep them close, to keep them close to you. And you have to try your best to be able to let that go. And, and losing your husband, I'm sure, has made you feel more alone. And you're going to be more drawn towards your kids and not want to lose them. And so this goes back to looking at your own life and how you want to make sure it's more full with connection and things that you have in your life so you won't be as dependent on them to make you feel good or make you feel complete.
3: Yeah, I'm not dependent on them, but I feel so much pressure that, you know, I have a really good job and give them everything. It seems because like you've done a great job
1: in in a really tough situation. But when you say do everything, I want you to be aware of that could sometimes become a problem because you can want to do too much. So you can say, well, I want to do everything so when my son is eating food, I'm going to move his mouth to help him chew because I want to do everything. You know? That's what we sometimes do. We try to help but we want to do too much. We get in the way rather than actually helping. So... Um, It seems like you're doing a whole lot and giving them what you can, but I think your issue is going to be more about doing too much rather than too little. So that's something I just want you to look at when it comes to your, um, your son and your daughter both, that you might want to be too involved. And maybe the word dependent sounded like I was judging the situation or judging you, but I meant that you're going to try to keep them closer for reasons that you can then justify by saying, because I want to do more for them. But sometimes as parents or anyone that loves someone, the best thing we can do for them is to give them space or to not even be there, is to let them do something on their own or choose their own path. But I think it's going to be hard for you to do that. So It's just some things to think about. And going back to your son, as I mentioned before, don't think you have to figure out the right business plan, business advice, career advice for him. You're his mom, which means he can talk to you. You're going to love him and give him support, but hopefully also give him the space to make his own choices. And if he fails, he fails. And even if he fails, I don't like that word, but he's going to learn a lot from this process that he'll then take into the next one. And so you want to just help him by being a support that if this business does well or doesn't, he always has your love there as a stable force. But put, take that pressure off yourself that you have to figure out the right career advice and business advice.
3: Yes, I think you gave me a really good advice. Um, you know, I just, um, the whole time, I tried to do something to help.
2: Yeah.
3: And the times that I didn't say anything, I felt like, wow, you know, this is really bad. I'm not doing anything. But I'm going to try this to yeah. just for a while, just give him his space for him to decide and not worry about it. Because, you know, I have given him his space for about six months. Okay. But I worry every day.
1: Yeah, I mean, try to, you know, and that worry, uh, deal with it on your own and don't think you have to give that to him. That's what a lot of parents do is they worry and they dump that anxiety and worry onto their kids when it's not their kids to deal with. You worry about him, of course you're going to care. I don't expect you to ever not care about how his business is doing. But don't get so caught up in the up and down and don't get so caught up in what do I have to do to fix this or make it better. Give them that space. And as I mentioned to you before, I can understand you're so afraid to lose your kids, to have something happen to them because of what you went through, especially. Um, But sometimes we have to be aware that we're so afraid to lose life that we might take away the life that we're living to sacrifice it in order to make sure we don't lose them. So you can put them both in a room and never have them leave the room and nothing will ever happen to them, but they also won't get to live their lives either. And so it's trying to find that balance and recognizing that giving them that space, it can be scary, both that you will lose them as far as how close they are to you and that something can happen to them, but hopefully you'll recognize that you have to accept that risk or that reality of life in order to let them really live their life to the fullest. So I wish you the best in figuring that out for both of them and also for yourself and how to give yourself more of the life you want uh, to feel better about that
3: Yes, thank you so much thank you thank so you. nice
1: to talk to you I appreciate you calling
3: yes thank you um, I appreciate all the advice oh thank
1: my you. pleasure take care have a good day bye bye okay. alright going into our last commercial break we'll be right back Welcome back. For the last segment today, I wanted to talk a bit about going to therapy. Uh, As you heard me talk about a few callers today, I think it's something I recommend to lots of people when they're calling, but also just to people in general to go to therapy. Um, And so I wanted to talk about some misconceptions or things that people might think about therapy that might get in the way, because I know that for many people, once they enter therapy, or if I'm seeing a client for the first time, Usually, it's been quite a while that they've wanted to go or thought about going to therapy, but there was things that were holding them back. And so I wanted to talk a bit about some of the ideas that people sometimes have about therapy that can get in the way of them seeking therapy themselves. And I'll mention this, as I do oftentimes when it comes up on the show, that I go to my own therapy every week. And when I go to therapy, I do have issues that I want to work on, but it's not that I go because I think something is broken and I have to fix it, it's that I want to understand myself better to grow and to work on the issues that I do have. And so that's the first thing I wanted to talk about therapy in general. Unfortunately, for many people, they think therapy is something that crazy people go to or people who have really big or bad issues, or you had to have gone through a really big trauma uh, to have gone, need to go to therapy or to want to go to therapy. And those things are not true. Of course, if you have any of those things, trauma and abuse and issues, therapy can be very helpful for you, but it's not limited only to those people. And especially therapy is not something for crazy people. Um, a lot of times people will say, oh, what's the craziest thing you've heard or what, what type of clients do you deal with? And there's this idea that people have that really messed up people have to go to therapy or if they're talking about things, that something really crazy or dramatic and only those people are going to therapy when really a lot of what you see in therapy as a therapist is people talking about everyday type of struggles or internal struggles and things that they're dealing with that aren't always so attention grabbing as far as a story goes but that they're very meaningful and important and they're going through things and so that's the first thing i wanted to say about therapy that it's more about self-awareness and understanding yourself than it is about directly fixing problems and taking them away it's more about self-awareness than just fixing problems um and so you learn more about yourself you understand yourself better what you feel you get more in touch with what you're feeling most people most of the time don't actually know what they're feeling which might be surprising because you think we're in our own bodies and our own heads so to speak but how do we not know what we're feeling but most of us are very out of touch and so that's one big step and goal of therapy is to get you more in touch with your feelings and more aware of them because our feelings serve as information. As I was talking to one of the callers earlier today about if I'm aware of what I'm feeling, that can tell me a lot. If I spend time with someone and afterwards I feel very good, I could try to understand that better by first understanding that good feeling. Where's it coming from? What does it mean? Is it about something about me and this person that's good? Or let's say I leave that same interaction or I leave an interaction with someone and I'm sad, or I notice I'm always sad when I say bad bye to someone Am I sad because I miss them? Or am I sad actually because they don't make me feel good? But our feelings, our emotions can tell us a lot about ourselves, our lives, our relationships. And until we're more in touch with them, we can't use that information. So a big part of therapy is getting in touch with ourselves and more understanding of ourselves and increasing our self-awareness. Related to that, another misconception people have about therapy, which sometimes gets reinforced by movies and TV shows, is that when you're in therapy, it's all about having these big aha moments that change your life, that you're in therapy and all of a sudden you realize, oh, it was because my mom, da-da-da-da-da-da, and the person wakes up and life never is the same again, when that's actually not true. Most of the progress you're going to see in therapy is small steps, or you won't even be aware of the changes for a while. And the progress in therapy does take some time usually because of this. It's incremental. You have issues related to self-esteem. Your therapist is not going to say one amazing quote or say one thing or figure out the one memory that's causing all your problems and then make your self-esteem amazing. But people do experience improved self-esteem over time through the relationship and through the therapy that they, they go through. So uh, that's another misconception that it's all about these big aha moments. And the way I sometimes feel... Uh, people think about this or feel about it is they think it's almost like there's some hair somewhere or just one thing and you have to just pluck that hair or pick that thing out and then everything goes away and everything becomes good when it's really not like that. Uh, and actually what you really recognize is therapy is less about plucking away these bad things or bad parts of ourselves and more about integrating all the different aspects of our personalities and who we are. So people come in and they sometimes want you to take, uh, get rid of something about them or even more sadly about their kids. Oh, my kid is anxious. Take away his anxiety. But that's not really how it works. Yes, we can work on anxiety and hopefully reduce it and manage it, but we don't take it away. Anxiety, anger, sadness, these are not things that get erased or removed. And actually it's not healthy if we lose them completely. We need them to some degree. And so again, therapy is less about erasing certain feelings and certain ways of being, and more about integrating those things together. Another very important thing I tell clients and like to talk about when it comes to therapy is that therapy is about self-care and taking care of yourself and improving yourself. Absolutely. But when we say it's part of self-care and taking care of yourself, it doesn't mean that it's easy or that you don't have to do any work. Quite the opposite. It's very hard and it does take lots of work from you. So the example I like to use is that some people might think going to therapy is like getting a massage where you just relax and feel better as a result. But I say it's actually more like going to the gym and getting a personal trainer where they're going to push you. They're there to help you, but you have to do the hard work. You have to sweat. You got to lift the heavy weights and do all the work it takes. And also related to that, similar to how your body gets in better shape and you grow muscle, the only way you grow is by getting out of your comfort zone. So the whole point of having a trainer is to push you, push you past what you think you can do, to make you feel pain, but in a good way, the pain of growth, not the pain of damage. And so similarly in therapy, the therapist isn't just there to make you feel warm and cuddly. Of course, there is a lot of that feeling of warmth and making you feel good about yourself, but their job isn't just to make you feel comfortable every moment. It's actually to push you out of your comfort zone slowly in ways you could handle it, because they know, as we all should be aware of, that the only way you grow is by facing some discomfort and some pain. So think of the therapist in ways like your emotional personal trainer that's trying to push you out of your comfort zone, because when we live just a comfortable life, we can be unhappy, unsatisfied, and unfulfilled. If we really wanna live a life that we want, we have to go beyond that comfort zone. So we have to be aware that therapy is not something easy, even though we're taking care of ourselves, just like going to the gym, it's something that requires us to do the hard work in order to get better. And We have to be ready for that, and it's not going to be easy. And because of that, a lot of people stop therapy after a few times. They come once or twice, and we have to be ready that sometimes you might feel worse before you feel better when you go to therapy because you might be bringing up old feelings or memories and things that you don't want to be in touch with, and so they'll feel worse And they'll start to get to that hard work and getting into uncomfortable feelings. And very often they'll think, you know what? I'm actually better. I've realized that I'm okay. I don't think I need therapy. And they'll say something along those lines. But really what's going on is they're getting into the hard work and they don't want to face it. And they prefer stopping. So if you do start therapy, be ready for that. A lot of times you'll feel worse or you'll feel the hard work or getting into the uncomfortable feelings and thoughts and memories from past and present that don't feel so good. And so you might try to convince yourself that you don't need to go. Uh, and you might stop, but I hope you will continue. And I hope you will even start going if you haven't, or go to therapy. I do have to wrap up the show and had more thoughts I wanted to share, but this is a topic that comes up a lot because I'm always encouraging people to go into their own therapy if they haven't before, if they have to go back to work on things, to work on things as a couple, whatever it might be. Mental health services and therapists are there to help. Uh not because you're crazy, bad, or anything like that, but just because we all deserve help sometimes. And so if anyone's listening and thinking about it, I hope you'll take that step and go into your own therapy. All right, we've reached the end of today's show. Uh, You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi We Have a wonderful day.